Once Upon a Time is right now here at Fable City Radio with your host, Martha Whitehouse. Tonight on Fable City Radio, we will be reading The Snow Queen by Hans Christian Andersen. It was written in 1844 and published in a collection of stories in that year. The Snow Queen is one of Andersen's most complicated stories, and I have taken great liberties with simplifying it a bit. I will explain the changes I've made in my version during the discussion after story time. One thing I did that I'll talk about now is I lowered the number of repetitive elements in the story of the Snow Queen. One thing you'll notice in fairy tales is that there's often quite a bit of repetition. Certain elements of each story are repeated, often in groups of three. Think about the story of Cinderella. When the prince is looking for the owner of the glass slipper, he returns to Cinderella's home three times. In the first episode I posted here on Fable City Radio, The Tale of Fulio, there are three brothers who each encounter the same magical man in the forest. The original version of the Snow Queen has a lot of those repetitive conversations, and I have fine-tuned those to focus the story a bit more. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy. Once upon a time, there was a very clever craftsman. He created every kind of wonder that the human mind could conceive, and he received great acclaim for his work. But even with all of his great skill and the accolades he received, he was a deeply unhappy man. The problem was his forehead. He had a bump. It wasn't a monstrous bump. Most people didn't even notice it. But once, when he was a child, the craftsman had worked on a project and he brought it to school to show off his skill to his classmates. When he stood up to explain the project, a new child at the school shouted out from the back of the classroom, How can you see past that big bump on your head? I'm going to call you Bumpkin. Then he laughed and all the other students laughed with him. From that point on, no matter what he accomplished, the clever craftsman was haunted at the thought that people were looking at his bump and thinking him a bumpkin. It was a very silly thing to worry about, but it occupied his thoughts completely. The craftsman was scared to make new friends and later to find a sweetheart because he was sure that no one would want to get stuck with him and be forced to stare at his bump all the time. The craftsman started avoiding other people, thinking that they were looking only at the bump, and he grew lonely and bitter, even as he created more and more wonderful things. The craftsman began to hate other people, and he decided to turn his talent for creation against them, to hurt them just as he had felt hurt by them. So he created a mirror. It wasn't just any ordinary mirror. If you looked in the mirror, what you saw wasn't a normal reflection of yourself. This mirror was an ugly distortion mirror. Anything beautiful seen in the mirror would look ugly and unnatural. If a beautiful woman looked in the mirror, 
she saw a monstrous hag. If you held a beautiful work of art up to the mirror, it looked as though it were painted by a drunken squirrel. The craftsman was perversely delighted each and every time someone gazed into the mirror and was moved to tears by the ugliness they saw in themselves. Hurting other people made the craftsman feel better about himself. One day, he decided to show his entire small town what they looked like reflected in that awful mirror while they were all standing together. That will punish all of them at the same time, thought the craftsman. I will laugh and laugh. He decided to take the mirror to the church tower in the town square. He knew everyone would be gathered there during the big village anniversary celebration the next day. He took his time carrying his horrible mirror up the long narrow staircase all the way up to the church bell tower. He wanted to wait until the perfect moment, shout loudly to get everyone's attention, then hold up the mirror to reflect its ugliness down upon the whole town, ruining everyone's good time. When the time came and a large crowd had assembled, the craftsman pushed the mirror out of the single tower window as far as he could. He started to shout, but then he lost his grip on the heavy mirror and it went tumbling out of the window. Alerted by his shouts, everyone in the town square scattered and the mirror crashed into the ground, bursting into a million slivers. But the story of the mirror doesn't end there. The tiny pieces of the mirror were picked up by wind and storm and made their way all over the world. They wormed their way into people's eyes and worse, into their hearts and their brains, and they spread ugliness and unhappiness into anyone they touched. If someone got a piece in their eye, all they could see was the bad in others, and everything they looked at appeared as the ugliest version of itself. When a splinter got in their hearts, it turned their feelings cold, and when a splinter entered their brains, it turned their thoughts sad, mean, and ugly. I bet you've seen the results for yourself. Every time you see someone with a sour expression that looks like they've just smelled something terrible, you're probably looking at someone afflicted by the mirror. Right after the mirror broke, the splinters started flying everywhere, traveling for miles and miles across the countryside and even across great oceans and over mountains. In a village far away from where the angry craftsmen lived, there dwelled two good children who lived right next to each other, named Kai and Gerda. Kai and Gerda loved each other like brother and sister. They each lived with their grandmothers, who were very poor, but still provided them with a life filled with affection, so both children were very happy. Between their two small homes was a garden shared by both families. It was there that Kai and Gerda spent most of their time, they tended the flowers and herbs and vegetables that grew there, and they marveled at the beauty of the flowers and enjoyed the abundance of the garden in the spring and summer. In the fall and winter, the two children played together in the ever-deepening snow, always confident that spring and summer would soon come again. During one winter that was particularly cold, Kai was sitting by his parlor window looking out. 
As he watched the falling snow, he saw lots of snowflakes begin to whirl into a spiral that was spinning violently. He pulled on his coat and went outside to look more closely at the swirl of flakes. Just for a moment, the snowflakes looked like a beautiful woman made of ice and wearing a long cape made of snow. Kai gaped at the vision. Then all of a sudden, Kai felt a sharp pain in his eye, followed by a sharp pain in his heart. He turned away from the swirling snow, clutching his chest. Ow! What was that? He yelled loudly. Little Gerda heard him shouting and came out of her house. Are you all right, Kai? She asked. I'm fine, snapped Kai. I don't need your help. I'm going sledding with the other boys in the village. I don't need to stay cooped up in this ugly old garden with you anymore. He grabbed a sled that was leaning against his house and ran away from Gerda as fast as his legs could carry him. Gerda was astonished and hurt. Kai had never spoken to her so crossly. What she didn't know was that Kai had been infected with two of the splinters from the evil mirror and that his eyes now saw nothing but ugliness and that his heart was as cold as the snow falling all around her as she stood crying in the silent winter garden. Kai found some boys in the village to play with, but they quickly grew tired of him as he kept knocking them down and sabotaging their sleds. They had all been playing a game where each boy would tie his sled to a passing carriage or sleigh and hitch a ride while sitting on their sleds. Each boy wanted to find the fastest sleigh or carriage to hitch his sled to. Suddenly, Everyone's attention was drawn to a large, very fast white sleigh whizzing down the street. It was pulled by two dazzling snow-white horses and driven by a driver wrapped from head to toe in a white fur coat and a scarf obscuring their face. Kai scrambled over several other boys, stepping on them and pushing them out of his way so he could be the first boy to get to the sleek white sleigh. Kai managed to tie his sled rope on, and then he held onto his sled tightly. The sleigh started moving even faster down the street. It kept picking up speed as it left Kai's little town and struck out for the open countryside. It was pulling Kai's sled so quickly that he was afraid to fall off of it. He clung on and tried calling to the driver to slow down, but the driver didn't seem to hear him. On and on they went, flying through the snowy landscape, the only sounds were the muffled sounds of the horses' hooves and the jingle of the silver bells around their necks. Finally, Kai thought he could hold on no longer. The driver slowed down the sleigh and turned to look at Kai. A voice, unlike any he had ever heard, said, Come up here, boy, and sit with me. It must be very cold back there. Kai soon found himself climbing into the sleigh with no knowledge of how he had even reached its steps. Looking at the driver, he was shocked to see that she was a cold, dazzling woman made of ice and snow. Kai thought she was beautiful, and she invited him to sit with her on the icy bench of the sleigh. Get under these furs with me. You must be cold being the mortal that you are. I am the Snow Queen and I prefer everything nice and cold. You are a lovely little man, though. She kissed Kai on his forehead 
and he felt the cold of her kiss sink into the rest of his body until it matched the cold lump that was his mirror-pierced heart. He felt nothing and was content to feel that way and stay with the Snow Queen and go wherever she decided to take him. He forgot about his loving grandmother back home and he forgot all about little Gerda. He didn't miss her at all because his heart was cold. The Snow Queen adopted Kai as her own son and they traveled to her palace where they would live for many years. While Kai lived in the palace, he only played one game. The queen had given him flat pieces of ice in different geometric shapes and had admonished him. Take these puzzle pieces, dear Kai. You can arrange them to complete a word puzzle that makes a single wondrous word. If you make the right word, I will reward you with the whole world and a pair of new skates. Kai didn't know what the word puzzle should look like, but he thought that the word he might be looking for was the word eternity. Meanwhile, back in Gerda's little village, no one had seen Kai for a long time. His grandmother and Gerda looked for Kai, but they couldn't find any sign of him. Gerda was distraught. She missed her best friend, and after many months, she decided to go out on her own and look for him. Gerda was afraid that Kai might have fallen into the river, so she threw her favorite red shoes into the river and said, Please, river, accept my beautiful shoes and send my friend Kai back to me. But the shoes just washed back up on the shore, so Gerda decided that the river didn't have Kai, and she just walked on. During her journey, Gerda stopped to ask every person she could find if they had seen Kai. She even asked birds and flowers if they had seen any sign of her friend passing their way. Some would say, yes, I think I've seen the boy you're looking for. Gerda's heart would swell with joy and hope whenever she heard this, but as she looked into each story, she discovered that it wasn't Kai they had seen at all. Oh, I will never find Kai, she said to herself, but she kept walking and she kept looking. One day, she found herself hungry and tired and standing in front of a pretty cottage set in the middle of a beautiful garden. She was drawn into the garden by the strong, sweet scent of roses. Their smell reminded her of the joy she had felt enjoying the roses in her home garden with Kai. She was kneeling before the roses, weeping for her lost friend, when an old woman came out of the house and asked her what was wrong. Gerda told her the whole story, and the woman, who knew quite a bit of magic and had always longed for a child of her own, cast an enchantment over Gerda. She made all of the roses in her garden sink into the ground, and she made Gerda forget all about Kai and everything that was making her unhappy. Gerda lived happily with the old woman for 10 years. Then one day, when she was out in the garden, she tripped over a rock and fell down. She was in pain and began crying, and when her tears hit the ground where the rose bushes had sunk down ten years earlier, her tears woke up the flowers, and they rose up from the ground in full blossom. When Gerda smelled the roses, all of her memories of Kai and her mission to find him returned to her, and she set off at once to continue her search. Finally, 
Her wanderings brought her to a very cold land where there was no spring or summer, only snow. Gerda, wandering almost blinded by the snow, was surprised to find an open drawbridge leading into a great white castle. It was the palace of the Snow Queen. She had left the gate open while she was off on a trip to dust the tops of volcanoes with ice and snow. Gerda stumbled about the cold palace, looking for someone to ask about Kai. Then she saw him, lying on a tall couch made of ice. He was so blue and numbed with cold that she was afraid to, that he was dead. She ran to him and tried to rouse him, but he didn't move. Gerda reached up and put her arms around Kai and began crying, and her warm tears fell on Kai in a flood. She cried so hard that the tears pooled on Kai's chest and warmed his heart, melting the sliver of mirror that had numbed his feelings. Kai opened his eyes, and he too began crying, and his tears washed the shard of mirror from his eye, and he saw Greta clearly and embraced her warmly. The two friends looked at each other with fresh eyes and fresh feelings, and now that they were fully grown young people, they realized that they were in love. They left the cold country of the Snow Queen and never saw her again, and they lived happily ever after in a house with a new garden they created for themselves. The End So what are the lessons that we can learn from the Snow Queen? In the first part of the Snow Queen, the Snow Queen herself is nowhere to be seen. Instead, the story starts off with the tale of an evil mirror. In Hans Christian Andersen's version of the story, the mirror is made by a devil or an imp or a devilish imp, whatever that is. I decided to make my mirror maker a miserable, bitter craftsman with great talent but very little insight into his own misery. I made this change because for me, an important element of the story is the repeated descriptions in the original text of the dark, ugly effects the mirror has on people. I felt that only a person who had actually experienced damaging, vicious bullying because of their appearance would have the proper motivation to create such a wicked mirror. I can't fathom the possible motivations of imps and devils, only of other human beings. The mirror is a terrible influence that turns people's hearts cold. I like it when fairy tales provide a magical explanation for an inexplicable reality. I like to think of the mirror fragments every time I run into someone who seems to be ill-tempered for no reason. People suddenly and shockingly showing the worst aspects of human behavior with very little provocation, or even every time someone sends me another Karen-type video. I often wish there were splinters in mean people's hearts that could be melted with a few tears. The world would be a happier place. A little background on the story of the Snow Queen. The inspiration for the character of the Snow Queen herself may have come from Hans Christian Andersen's friendship with the acclaimed opera singer Jenny Lind in 1840. Lind was known at the time as the Swedish Nightingale. She was a great beauty and a talented vocalist, and apparently Anderson fell hard for her. The two became friends, 
but Lind rejected him as a romantic suitor. It is thought that Lind inspired the character of the Snow Queen because Anderson considered her to be a little cold-hearted towards him. I guess the best revenge is writing fiction. No one living has ever heard Jenny Lind's singing voice, although she allegedly made a single phonograph recording for Thomas Edison, but she will live forever in the character of the beautiful but icy Snow Queen, no matter how unfair that portrayal of her may be. Understanding the emotions and attitudes of other people is difficult. Sometimes it's hard enough to understand our own emotions and behaviors. Observing people who are inexplicably angry or hurtful is almost enough to make you believe that a splinter of something evil is affecting them. The biggest lesson I take from the Snow Queen is to always remember that the way people interact with the world completely depends on how they see the world, and it's often a distorted picture. Another interesting part of the Snow Queen is that at the end of the story, Gerda's tears are enough to warm Kai's cold heart, but it's his own tears that are really important because that's what clears his vision. So maybe the message here is that while another person might be able to soothe our hearts or our feelings, only our own efforts can provide us with clearer vision. I loved the Snow Queen as a child. It was my favorite fairy tale and I read it over and over again. And when I played in the snow and ice in the small town of Connecticut where I grew up, I like to imagine that I was like Kai living in the Snow Queen's palace. I collected geometric pieces of ice that I cut out of the crust of the snow and I tried to arrange them to mean eternity, just like Kai did. Unfortunately, I didn't really know what the word eternity meant. I didn't completely understand the concept. I only knew that somehow it felt important to me. I hope you enjoyed the story of the Snow Queen. And the next time you run into someone who's acting like they have a splinter in their heart, take comfort in a fairy tale and take care. Until the next time we meet in Fable City Radio.